Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost warping online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Hurts in the gun. Goddard sets up right. Back to throw. Checked out. Over the middle. Intercepted by Diggs. Right sideline. 30. Diggs 20. Diggs house. Devontae Smith fell down. And Trayvon Diggs is the second Cowboy ever to intercept passes in the first three games of the season. It's Trayvon Diggs and Everson Walls and a touchdown. Oh, that wasn't very good. You take you a deuce, you don't sit there and look at it, you flush it. Really very good at all. The great Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys, on the Cowboys radio network. Last time I talked to Brad, saw Brad, was uh, at the Cotton Bowl. In fact, Jack and I had the Cowboys booth, so we were in Brad's booth. And Brad actually did the game on national radio, but, like, down the hallway. But uh, an absolute legend. Absolutely great. Not the call, obviously, Matt wanted. Yeah, I just came back from vomiting again. Your wife is a gem. She is. Your your two kids are gems. <laughs> In the big scheme of life, okay, you pull the lever and got all sevens. <laughs> Does it matter that the Eagles lost? No, it's just a little bit harder to get over because it's Dallas. That's all. Oh, I'm a Giants fan. I'm used to losing to Dallas. <laughs> Then you should understand my pain then, and I think you do, to some degree. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Mr. I don't pick Dallas when they play the Giants. <laughs> I think it I think it's I think it's good for the show, don't you? Oh, I agree. I don't hate you for that. I'm just saying. That's, you, that's I, you why can, I do it. You should that's be able to feel some of my it. pain. There you go. It's it's, it's good for the show. See, I rant. You just don't pick them. We have our own ways of coping with these things. I picked the, I picked the Cowboys to beat the Eagles. No, I'm talking about when they play. You don't pick the Cowboys when they play the Giants. No, except no, I do that. whatever that was last year, or the year before you did. Was, I just I just needed to win, so I picked them the one time. I just needed the W. <laughs> now now I've got one under my belt. I'm home free. There you go. <laughs> We're never making that pick again. So. Uh, and it's going to cost me twice this year because Kevin will put it down twice. You know that. <laughs> of course, it's going to cost. It's going to cost me two losses this year. That's exactly but right. But I'm not going to do it. You, on the other hand, it didn't take you long to just jump ship. 
You pick Dallas. Come on, admit it. You picked Dallas. I did, but every time I pick the Eagles, I don't always pick them all the time. I always pick objectively for the games. So why are you mad? You picked and won. Yeah, I'm still mad they lost. I don't want to be right. Yeah, but, I mean, have you seen the team photo? You're not good. <laughs> yeah, I realize that now. What do you mean you realize it now? I told you in August. Well, yeah, I mean, I knew that going into August, but, yeah, at the current state of things, yeah. Hopefully Mylotta can at least get back and then maybe get Brooks back later in the year, but who knows where things are going to be at that that's, point. That's going to be a tough road for them. Tough road. Yeah. Now, are you into at all the Brady return to New England on Sunday night? Any interest in it? Oh, yeah, and this is a classic revenge-type game. I Especially, <laughs> especially with Brady. You, everyone should know. I know he's always focused on the game itself, but you know very well when Brady's got a chip on his shoulder, he goes out and he punches it through. That's the way it was when he went to Tampa Bay last year. You can tell the Bucks are going to win this game outright on Sunday. I can You can book it down right now, and Tom Brady's going to have the game of his life. Because of revenge. Yeah, he's going back to New England. He wants to stick it to him. I would, I would too, if I were him. Well, I think the biggest part of him going back to New England is he knows how to get from Logan Air, Airport to Foxborough. I mean, he can tell the bus driver how to do it. I mean, that's what, you know, it's obviously it's going to be the game everybody talks about. I got it. Everybody's going to talk about that game. It's It was already on the schedule to begin with. It's going to be who was more important to the success of the Patriots, Belichick or Brady. Brady or Belichick. Oh, Belichick didn't win anything without Brady. Ah, Brady's won without Belichick. Oh. See, that conversation I'm not interested in because that's just stupid. But Brady coming back home, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean Belichick as a defensive coordinator <laughs> has two Super Bowl rings with the Giants. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, I'm going to. I mean, I'm definitely watching because I think it's interesting. But do I think that it's revenge? I always love when I hear some athlete. I'm disrespected. I'm like, oh, for goodness sakes, you're disrespected. <laughs> really? You may get a ton of money. Which, <laughs> I don't disrespect me. Well, we got a lot of likes, by the way, on the show, huh? Yeah, it's been a party lately. We appreciate all the support. Uh, let's see. Randall Jordan, Joe Lambert. Um, Michelle Rowe, Alvary. Uh, let's see. Had a lot of them lately. Lots and lots of likes. How about that? That's really cool. A lot of reaction too. 
Ooh, boy, several negative soup comments. Um, but, yeah, it's a different story. Ooh, a couple of them were sent in by Suit Light. All right, uh, that's... <laughs> yeah, no, let's see. Uh, Jim, what, Jim French? Like? Thank you. Here we go. There's the, there's the like part of it. Let's see. Carol Dell, Joe Lambert, Jeffrey Randall, uh, Terry Radican. I hope I said that right. Joe Gertner, Nathan Hoover, Rosemary Bell, Kathleen Rogers. Wow. Robert Serafinko, Marjorie McDonald, Craig Day. Thank you. And they, I'll tell you, here's one. Now, every once in a while, like I always appreciate, obviously, anybody makes you know a positive comment about the show or what we're doing or whatever. I mean, obviously, I'm going to appreciate that. It's only natural. Uh, Seth Donnelly, Joshua Treese, thank you for the likes. But there was one on here that I looked at and went, wow. Um, James Hockenberry, you see that one? I did. Jimmy Hockenberry played on my 13-year-old Babe Ruth team. He was my shortstop. Oh, wow. How about that? Yes. And I pushed hard for I got him on a tournament team. I pushed hard for him to be an all-star because I thought Jimmy was that good. And it was just a great, great young man to be around. And he sent in a, a really nice post on Facebook where I sat back and went, really? Wow. Uh, what do you say here? You know, he said, you know, said something nice about my career, and then he said I was one heck of a good baseball coach. Well, Jimmy's great guys. That that one, I, I saw that one. I said, I said, I said, wow, Jimmy Hockenberry, that's great. Goes by James now. But that, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, and it was with um, my son Mike was on that team. Uh, Ryan Russell, Ed Russell was my assistant coach. And it's hard when you're coaching thirteen year olds for this reason. They're making the transition from the smaller field. 46-foot mound, um, 60-foot bases to now 90-foot bases and 60 feet 6 inches. You're now making the transition to, quote, the big field. And one of the key positions you have to have when you go to the big field, there's certain things you need right away. You need a catcher that can get the ball down the second base. You need a third baseman that can throw across the diamond. and You need a shortstop that can make plays and get the throw over there. You need a first baseman who can catch it, by the way. Right? Those are I mean, those are things you're looking at right away, like certain subtle things you don't think of until you're in that position. Jimmy was a fabulous shortstop for us. It really was. He brought, brought back some nice memories. So thanks for sending that, that post, and it meant a lot. Really meant a lot. And the game is going to be 7.30 Saturday night. We're on beginning at 6.00. You're on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Yeah. So. Into the meat of the schedule they go. Now, as for Brady and Belichick, okay, you're playing in the National Football League. You need motivation to play the game. I mean, I'm asking you this. You need motivation to play in the game. I'm not saying they need it. I'm just saying it's there. And that's that's the way Tom Brady is. He always finds something different. He's always had that chip on his shoulder. 
from the day he was drafted to now. And the the chip is just kind of he's added all those things lately, and as from the, from the beginning of his career, and there's no doubt he'll add this, and he'll go out there and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, and the Bucks will win big Sunday night. But the bottom line is matchups. That's one. They got better matchups against the Patriots. They got better personnel. Number two. You know, chip or whatever you want to call it. The bottom line is people outwork people. I'll give you two good examples. In my career, obviously, I've had a chance to cross paths and get to know a lot of people. So I probably have had some conversations that are pretty interesting that a lot of people would like to sit in on. And one of the more, and I say this all the time, one of the more important parts of this job or in any conversation is to be a good listener. You're a good listener. You can learn something. So I've been fortunate that along the way that my paths have crossed and have befriended Bill O'Brien and Jim Caldwell. Jim, of course, was here for years as the wide receiver coach at Penn State. And then, of course, went on to the NFL, Colts, Lions, whatever. So what makes it interesting is that Bill O'Brien coached Tom Brady. And Jim Caldwell coached Peyton Manning. They were both the quarterback coaches. Jim was the quarterback coach for the Colts before he became the head coach. And, of course, so the times I talked with Bill, and then I had dinner with Jim in Indianapolis. Uh, And Jerry Dunn was there with us at the time. And sitting there, and we're talking about Manning with Caldwell, and of course I've talked with Bill numerous times about Brady, and they both said the same things. They both want to outwork everybody. They want to be coached. They want to be coached hard. There is a tendency for some people, not many, but some people who think that these guys are so good they can just show up and they don't need coaching. They're good enough on their own. That's not how Brady and Manning look at it. Their two coaches, O'Brien for Brady and Caldwell for Manning, both told me the same thing. Right? How hard each works and how badly each guy wants to be coached. Now, whether that's a chip, but it's something inside of everybody. There's something inside of everybody where some people don't want to work. Okay? There's something inside of some people where they absolutely want to work, where they want to be better. They want to be the best at what they do. They want to be the best at selling insurance. They want to be the best at selling cars. They want to be the best at running a business like Brewers. Right? I mean, that desire... I mean, what makes Roger Haddon so successful? What makes Tom Mertz so successful? What makes the Purdy family so successful? What makes Corey so successful? They've got a burning desire in themselves to be the best. And every single day, they feel they have to do something to be the best. They don't take anything for granted. And that's the way Brady and Manning are, based on the conversations I've had with guys who coach them. It is not one of those... Oh, yeah, we got them. We're fine. 
there are guys that demand to be coached, and they demand to be coached hard. But whatever that burning desire happens to be, chip, whatever you want to call it, there's something inside of each one of those guys where they're constantly working when they played or still playing to be the best. And if they aren't completely prepared, they're uncomfortable. A lesson for the Friday night broadcast. No. (laughs) Oh, my almighty! We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Obviously, you guys repeatedly say you don't believe in revenge games, one and all every week. But you guys have used examples from last year's game against Indiana to help improve your red zone defense. How do you balance using examples from previous years or previous games with not being too focused on the revenge factor of it? Well, because the only people that I ever hear use those terms is is – you know, when I get a question like this, um, yeah, we use examples, like I said, of the 49ers. We, we go back and watch our tape and learn from it and make corrections. Um, but our, our entire focus uh, and energy is on beating Indiana you know, this Saturday, this season. I'm shocked. Wow. Boy, not the answer you were hoping for. Well, that's what I expected. It's coach speak. It's not coach speak. It's reality. You know, this is something that people do not take into account. I mean, every team is different. They change every year. You know, there's certain guys that are on Penn State's team last year that are not playing in this game this year. There's certain younger players that are playing this year. It changes the personality of the team. It changes the personality of the locker room. There are players, for example, for Indiana that played in last year's game that are not playing in this year's game. There are some young players, for example, they got like they're, they've got some transfers all over the place. The Anderson kid, the defensive end, number ten, Handy from Auburn, number thirteen, Stephen Carr, the running back. You know, they didn't play in last year's game that have added to what they're doing this year. The teams get to be different. The game is takes on its own personality every every year, every week. Every game has its own personality. And 
Yeah, I've talked about this for years, and it's just, uh, I feel like I'm talking to the wall. Uh, but I live it all the time. I see it all the time. I mean, I see changes in teams and personalities just from, you know, pro and con, from people who leave and then people who come in. You become a different team. Sure, you have, quote, holdovers that are, you know, that are there. But what, you know, I mean, for example, the, the offensive and defensive coordinators aren't even the same guys as last year. But you're, you know, but, you know, you believe in, boy, it must be tough living in your neighborhood. Man, God, you're like, imagine living in that neighborhood and hearing that you believe in revenge. I mean, I, I mean, I'd hate to accidentally hit one of your trash cans <laughs> and cry. You know what the primary motivation should be? I don't want to lose. <laughs> okay, I need this game. That's my motivation. You hate me. No, that's the way you roll. That's fine. I just, I think, I think revenge is a useless emotion. Now, if it gets the crowd revved up, I'm all for that. Let the crowd get revved up by whatever revs them. I'm all set. That's fine. It'll be a 7:30 game, so it'll be a <clears throat> finely tuned crowd to begin with. But when it comes to playing the game, you got to play. You have to execute. What do you think? I'm going to go back to pass. I got revenge. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, and Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Very pleased to be joined from NBC Sports, the outstanding Peter King. Peter, welcome back. Thank you so much for your time. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, Steve, I, I've got to tell you that I watched the whiteout game on TV last week against Auburn, and the first thing I thought of when I watched it was, uh, this has got to be the greatest home field advantage in sports today, that whiteout game. That's the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was, there's nothing like this, nothing in the NFL. It's just, no. that is the yeah. coolest, coolest tradition. Whoever thought of that, give him a raise. Guido D'Elia. Guido's the one that thought of it, and uh, it's, you know, you always pick, you sit there, it's, with all due respect to Fordham, you don't play the whiteout game with Fordham, so it's never, <laughs> it's Notre Dame, it's Ohio State, it's Alabama, yeah. it's Michigan, it's Auburn. So it's a big game to begin with, and the fans are engaged. It's also at night, so the fans are really engaged all day. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave yeah. it at that. And then you get to the atmosphere itself, because Jack Ham says the same thing. He says, you don't see this in the NFL. And it's, I think for some people, becoming one of those you know, must-see things at least once in your lifetime you should be around. I know you're busy, but at some point, I think you'd yeah. really enjoy taking it in if you had a chance. I'll tell you, you know, what was what was interesting is that 
I was talking to Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Ravens. He was at the game. Uh, he was at the whiteout game, and he was just in awe of it. He just thought it was the coolest thing. But anyway, yeah, yeah that that's that's it's so fun to watch. And yeah, I just mentioned home field advantage because I after I watched the first quarter, I said, "Oof, say Auburn's pretty good." I re, I applaud the Auburn coach. He said some really good things. I don't I don't know any of these people, but he said some really cool things about. Why wouldn't you want to play in a game like this? You know, even though clearly it's going to be tougher than playing at noon on Saturday, uh, probably by quite a bit. But even even though it is, it's the experience of a lifetime. Who wouldn't want an experience like that? Exactly. And I think that was great for Auburn. It was great for Penn yeah. State. And not only that, it's a game where the team that won won. The other team that didn't win right. played really, really right. well, but didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed they it. They I, didn't lose the they game. They're not. I, the, I can count on one hand the amount of game college games in the course of the year that I watch from start to finish. But I watched that one start to finish. I was thoroughly, thoroughly engaged. It was cool. Really cool. Speaking of cool, is uh, the um, piece that NFL Films did with your father about your father, your letter to yeah. your father? Uh, yeah. What was that experience like for you? And you know, I'll admit it was cool for me because at least along the way of my life, I met your parents several times, and yeah. they were just aw- they were just awesome people. What was it like for you to write that? Well, Steve, as you know, coming from Enfield, Connecticut, as you and I both do, um, you don't really grow up thinking that in whatever chosen profession you're going to do, that you're really going to the big leagues. You know, you know. And and look, it isn't that my parents didn't uh, sort of uh, put this put this feeling in me that hey, you can do whatever you want. Well, parents are going to say that to you, but do you ever really believe it? And so I think, I think my dad, uh, you know, obviously when I was a kid, my dad was was a very encouraging parent, but he was not in any way a little league parent. You know, in those days, parents didn't go to a lot of games. They didn't. You know, my dad went to some games, but certainly not the majority of them when I was a kid. Many, many games, my Little League games, I just get on my bike and go home and relive it with my father sitting there watching the news or watching whatever on TV at home. And so, uh, but my father always was one of these guys who, you know, just really made me believe that, you know, if you really want to do something, you got to attack it. You just got to attack it. And I just figured when I was 11 or 12 years old, I wanted to be a writer, and so a lot of good things happened to me. But the reason why NFL Films came to me is I wrote something earlier this year in a column, and I said, you know, I've had a great run. It's been wonderful. My only regret is however much longer this lasts, year two, five, I don't know, I'm 64, however much longer this lasts, I just have regrets that my dad never got to see it. You know, he yeah. he died uh, in 1986, and uh, I was just sort of kicking off my career at that point, and he just never really got to see very much of what happened. And so NFL Films called me and said, would you be interested in writing a letter to your dad 
and uh, we have some footage of you over the years uh, with various players and after some games in locker rooms, all that stuff. And and here's what we have. Feel free to include it or not include it. And so, I mean, you know, I, I had a little encounter with Richard Nixon in the Giants locker room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, once uh, Parcells used to throw some barbs at me at press conferences when I was covering the Giants. Uh, I got to know Far real well, Peyton Manning. So they had some... They had some footage of me doing various things, and so I wrote it, and they came and spent two days with me, once in my apartment in Brooklyn and once on the road when I was on my training camp tour. And I just, you know, I'm so grateful that they took that time and and that, um, you know, that that's just a really, really nice thing to have. Um, you know, because many, uh, half of the footage I have never seen before that they put in there. I, ne- I, I didn't know it existed. Me and Brett right. Favre, I never, I didn't know that. So a lot of that stuff, it's just kind of fun to have, and I'm really grateful to NFL Films. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, like, you and I would play a game at Powder Hollow or Mark Twain. Yeah. At same yeah. thing. I'd get, on, I'd get on my bike and ride home. My parents weren't there. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. how'd you do? Isn't it funny, Steve, how, like, you know, I coach girls softball in New Jersey, both with my daughters on the team and then the last i think eight years i coached with i just was coaching kids from our little town in new jersey montclair new jersey and uh it was rare rare that one or both parents of every kid on every team it it would be rare if one or both were not there and in in our day it was rare that parents came Right. It was just exactly. It was just so different then, you know. There's another element too. Uh, you talk about growing up in Enfield. Well, that means New England. Uh, yeah. And my my brother still has his his business in South Windsor, and if I bring up Tom Brady's name, oh, Brady, and he just loves Brady. So you did a a the six state tour, Maine, New yeah. Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut to gauge New England. Uh, and again, this is a, another story I can really relate to. Obviously, you can too. What did you find out in that tour that maybe you didn't know? All right, so here is the idea. I went to NBC and I said, let me go out to all six states. I'll interview one person in all six states. We ended up interviewing more than one uh, in a couple of the states. But let me go out and interview one. I just want to take the temperature of how people feel about Tom Brady now going into this game uh, against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay and New England, and um, so what was really, really interesting is that uh, there's a couple of people absolutely Brady will never be able to do any wrong. These two lobster fishermen in Northeast Maine, man, was I out there, Steve? I was way out. I was way above Portland. It was amazing. Wow. And then, and then the governor of New Hampshire came to this. Uh, brew pub in Littleton, New Hampshire in the White Mountains. Absolutely totally beautiful. And he came and it was, hey, I idolize Brady. I don't hold it against him. And then we go to this little town, Newberry, Vermont, with this very prim and proper young teacher, a child of New England, just like me. She's from Longmeadow, Mass. And and we turned on the camera, started interviewing her. 
she does not like Tom Brady. He turned his back on us. He betrayed us. You know, I, I'm not going to be wearing his jersey, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we also we went to a minister in Massachusetts who was straight down the middle, but he said, hey, Tom Brady built this house, meaning Gillette. Tom Brady built this house, but he doesn't live here anymore. So let's sack him nine times on Sunday. And then this nurse, this nurse in Providence, 71 years old, She's an ER nurse, mm -hmm. and she's got a Patriots tattoo that she got on her right calf when she was 69. And she is an absolute Belichick devotee. And, and she said about Brady, hey, listen, there's 11 guys on offense. He's only one of them. We'll be fine. That was her take. So all over New England, I got all different takes. And I expect that there to be more universal, we love Brady, we understand yeah. why he did it. That was not the case. Now, who knows what happens on Sunday. Um, I, I, the, the founder of the Patriots fan club at Yale University told me, I said, how should, how should they treat Brady? And he said, golf clap. <laughs> and I said, a golf clap for six Super Bowls? Are you crazy? Oh. And he said, yeah, well, you know, all we care about is the next one. So I, I just, I left New England. I said, man, that's a rough crowd. It's like Rodney wow. Dangerfield pulling in his, <laughs> his collar saying, hey, this is a rough crowd tonight. <laughs> well, because when you and I were growing up, they were the Boston Patriots. And they yeah. were the AFL. You know what, and, Steve, You know what? I, mean, what I was a Giants fan. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when I was, when we were growing up, in northern Connecticut, which is now never has heard a discouraging word on the Patriots. But when we right. were growing up, the Patriots were a clear number four in Boston sports. No. It was like it was probably the Celtics, then maybe the Red Sox and Bruins, and the Patriots were like you know, I, I if I compare them, they're like the New England Revolution, the soccer yeah. team now. That you know, some people are interested, but I mean back then nobody cared about the Patriots. And so well, it, it was Bobby so Orr first. So much has changed. Well, it was Bobby What's Orr that? first. It was Bobby Orr yeah, first. Yeah, that's right. Bobby Orr was the Tom Brady in those days. Yeah. It was John Havlicek. It was Bill Russell, John yeah. Havlicek, Bobby Orr, and my dad loved Ted Williams. Worshipped yeah. Ted Williams, but so did my mom. obviously I was four years old when he retired, so I never saw him or anything. But but yeah, they they had they had their idols. But I just keep thinking it's going to be like this. Favre leaves Green Bay. Everybody's bitter. And uh, right now, Brett Favre, again, walks on water when he goes up to Green Bay. I think it'll be the same thing with Brady when, uh, when he goes back in 10 years. I know you got the doggy coming up, so I'm going to let you get to that. Thank you so much for your time today. It was just fun reminiscing about a few things. And, bo and both parts were phenomenal in the article this week. Oh, hey, really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much. And Hey, who, who's the Lions got this week? Uh, Indiana, Saturday night, 730. Home? Home. Stripe yeah. out. And do they, still have, do they still have that quarterback, Indiana? Yeah, Michael Penix, the left-hander. Yeah, yeah. He may, he's gonna, he'll make it an interesting game. Oh, he'll make it an interesting game because I think he's, be, he's a good thrower, but he also moves well, and that's what makes yeah. him dangerous. Yeah. 
Do they they don't have that receiver WAP anymore? Do they? No, the guy uh, who was WAP, named after WAP, the, the Burger King Whopper. Yeah, WAP Fillier has moved on, but they have time okay, five for him. All right, yeah, <laughs> WAP yeah, Fillier. I kind of lost track of him. That was the best name in college football last year. Oh, but I then, he, but yeah. then, how about the Auburn guy this year? The safety he had the best name. What was his name again? Smoke Monday. Storm, Storm Monday. Smoke I mean, Monday. How great is that name? Yes, smoke, smoke Monday, smoke Monday, smoke Monday. Yeah, yeah that, that was and the running back and the running backs Tank Bigsby. I mean, so they have them all. <laughs> Good name for a running back. Hey, Steve, take care. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Peter. He's got to do uh, uh, Christopher Russo on uh, Mad Dog Radio coming up. So we were able to steal him and get him in this spot. Yeah, it's. You know, you think about it, I mean, the, the guy has just carved out this phenomenal career. And he's right. You know, like you're growing up in, in our hometown, which is a nice town, beautiful town. But you don't sit there and go, hey, that guy right there, he's going to NBC Sports. That guy's going to write for Sports Illustrated. That guy's going to cover Super Bowls. That guy's going to be invited in to be in the, in the same room with Andy Reid after they won the Super Bowl, and Reed's going to diagram the play for him. That's what, you now. Peter's had an incredible career. Incredible. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. I thought it was refreshing, though, to have a football conversation and not hear the Eagles mentioned once. No? You take your deuce, you don't sit there and look at it, you flush it. <laughs> you're, just so, just, you're just so bad. You're bad. You're just... <laughs> You're just in a bad mood. You're going to need an entire week to decompress. <laughs> Let's just I mean, say this is my new football, favorite drop. Football is is great for you for this particular reason. Okay, you need the full week to get yourself mentally back in gear again for the next game. <laughs> actually, no. I always it's always till Wednesday. I'm I'm the same way as you are. Actually, tomorrow I'll be moving on to the Chiefs. No, I go to the next game the next day. <laughs> I mean, like Sunday morning, I'm working on the next game. Yeah, uh-huh. so it's just—it's just what works for me. It just you know, it makes the preparation easier. Smoke Monday, Tank Bigsby. Now that is the all-name team. All right, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment. Uh, don't forget, also on Thursday, don't forget, we talked about who's going to be with us on Thursday, you know, with Neil and Rich Scarcello. That's going to be after the high school roundtable on Thursday. And, of course, the matchup between Sealands Grove and Shikolami will be, obviously, the featured game coming up. Sealands Grove is playing really well right now. Um, well, they went three in a row. That sound right? Three, four in a row? Yep. Three in a row. Three. Yep. Right. And... The game's at Sealands Grove? I believe so, yeah. Whew, more hecklers. <sighs> I'll tell you, I give Mark Lawrence credit. To edit out all the heckling and to come up with a highlight, that was great. Didn't you think? <laughs> yes. Yeah, phenomenal. All right, back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You, sir, are my hero. I think overall, I would say good. 
We have protected the quarterback better, probably in a four-game stretch to start the season than we have in the past. I still think we can be a little bit better there. I'd like to see us play with a little bit more of an edge, you know, specifically in a run game, but really in the pass game as well. There's opportunities, you know, when you're slide protecting or whatever it may be, and you don't have a threat in your gap, and you can help the offensive tackle on the defensive end. Now, the edge is important because, I mean, there is a line between um, aggressiveness and recklessness. And what James wants them to do is he wants them to approach that line as far as they can with the aggressiveness without being reckless. Reckless leads to mistakes. Reckless leads to penalties. But you can push that line as far as you can. And and when he talks about, if I don't have somebody in front of me, because they've faced a lot of different fronts this year. And he's talking about in protection, Nobody's in front of somebody, and you don't have anybody. I'll give you a good example. Indiana was facing a third and 12 with their own five-yard line against Western Kentucky on Saturday night. And it was a pivotal point. Western Kentucky, inexplicably, in my opinion, rushed two. Well, literally, you watch the offensive line for Indiana. They're just trading off these two guys. You know, Bedford's got them one second. The guard's got them the next. You know, and, you know, and that's what they did. Is essentially traded them off and just went over and were you know they never even got close and Penix had all this time he finally picked out Peyton Hendershot and got himself a first down out of it, but I mean that's what he's talking about. Hey, look, you can go over and you can help out, help out. Tomorrow's show will be fun as well. Dave Zagaro and the Eagles, Jerry Dulac. One question on the front about the Ryder Cup and then about the Steelers. So it'll be an all-depressing football hour tomorrow. Maybe yeah, not probably. the best way to promote. Then Thursday, <laughs> high school football roundtable, Neil Kulong and Rich Scarcella. Well, thanks to Peter King and Greg Pickle today. Hope you had as much fun on the show as we did. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070, WKOK.